Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, we, of course, continue our study of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And, of course, as we continue, we're seeing Jesus as he heads to Jerusalem. Why is he going there? Well, he's going to die on the cross and pay for sin and rise again. And, and this morning, it's a special passage because as Jesus gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, the conflict with the religious leaders seems to get bigger and bigger. They have rejected him as Messiah. They have rejected him as the King and Savior. They hate him, and they want him dead. We'll see at the very end of the passage how that they're doing everything they can to stop him, and and they want to trip him and trick him up and everything. Now, in our passage this morning, we see the conflict with the religious leaders. Jesus actually denounces them. He has six woes, six judgments that he gives on them. And as we look at this, we get a good look at religion. And what is religion? How does it all fit? And a lot of people they may come up to you and go, are you a religious person? We have to talk about what does that mean. We want to learn from God's Word so we can understand religion and the true message of Jesus Christ. We'll see how that fits. Well, as we begin, let, let me raise this question. <clears throat> are you religious? What does that mean? Well, truth is, it's according to how we look at the Word. If you go to the book of James, when he says true religion is taking care of widows and orphans, that's one way. But as we go to God's Word and we think about our world, we realize that there is a contrast between what our world calls religion and what we call true Christianity. The world is full of religions all over. Let me see, let's see the contrast. See, religion is man seeking to please God. It's man doing something in order to either get to God or please God in some way. A person might say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to get baptized, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to make some sacrifice, I'm going to do something, and God will be satisfied. True Christianity is God-pleasing God. It is God who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus died and rose again, paying for sins. God offers to mankind the gift of eternal life. It's not what we do. It is faith in Jesus Christ. So realize this, that religion is man trying to please God by works. That's what religion is. And you go throughout the world and you can name any world religion that's out there and you see that it's mankind trying to do certain things in order to please God. But true Christianity is God pleasing God. It is where we trust Christ as Savior because God has so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There is a difference between religion which is works, and Christianity, which is faith in Jesus Christ. We'll see that. This morning we're going to get a good look at religion because Jesus denounces these religious leaders. We'll see that the focus of religion seems to be pride and hypocrisy and tradition and its powerful truths as we seek to understand the clear grace message of salvation. Well, as we begin, let's get some background. Let's think about where we are. Jesus is near in Jerusalem. Large crowds are following. The religious leaders have now got an opposition, and they're going to get worse and worse. Last time we saw this this big event, Jesus cast a, a demon out of this man. The crowd were amazed, were amazed, and they were all just up, you know, going. And, and the religious leader said, "No, no, 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 no. He's done that because he's using the power of the devil." That's what they were saying. Well, as we continue on this morning, we're going to see several things. Two things, I think. One is we're going to talk about the light, and that's spreading the message of Jesus Christ. And then number two, we'll see him denouncing the religious leaders. And as we look at that, we'll, we'll see what, what religion really is. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, we'll see the light. Talking about Jesus, you know, putting the light uh, on a lampstand so everybody can, can see it or, and all this. And he's talking about sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Verse 33 talks about the idea of Jesus and the believers in 34 through 36. A little bit hard passes the way he does. It, we'll talk about it. And then denouncing the religious leaders. And we see the rules of men. And then we see six woes on the religious leaders. 
And if you notice, go a little further. Three woes on the Pharisees, three woes on the lawyers. The lawyers are the same as the scribes, and we'll see how that fits. And then finally, we see they're planning their attack, or they're planning the attack on Jesus. We'll see how that goes. Well, let's begin first with the light. And the light in this passage, when he talks about no one after lighting a lamp puts it on a, in a cellar or under a basket, talking about sharing the message of Jesus Christ and the spread of the message, both Jesus and believers as you're dealing with, we are to make known the truths of Jesus Christ in this community. Now, it's a scary thing to share your faith. I mean, people say, oh, you shouldn't be afraid. You're in a spiritual battle. And when you go out into this world and you have an opportunity to tell someone how they can have eternal life simply by faith in Jesus Christ, you're in a spiritual battle. You may be afraid. You're in a battle, and when people say, well, I'm going I'm to share my faith when I'm not scared to do it, or I'm not nervous about doing it, or I don't feel a little tense, you'll never share your faith if you wait for that, because you are in a spiritual battle, and you've got to be ready to share your faith in the midst of it. Notice what he says. Here's the picture. He says, no one after lighting a lamp, this is verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it away in a cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. He says, when you light a lamp, you don't hide it. You put it where it will shine. He's saying you need to spread the message of Jesus Christ, dealing with the message of Christ. The message of Christ is not to be hidden. It is the true light that comes in the world. Jesus is called that. The message of Christ is to be proclaimed to our world and not hidden. Well, how do we do that? Well, when we proclaim the good news message of Jesus, Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection by our words, but also by our lives. We let our light shine. And he uses this in the rest of this passage, verses 34, 35, and 36. He does sort of in a strange way, but he's talking about the light shining through us. And he uses the eye. He says, the eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. He says this. Now, the eye is where it all goes in and comes out. He says this is where the message can be seen. He says when your eye is clear. Literally in the Greek it says when it's focused. When your eye is focused, the single focus, it's full of light. He's saying when you focus on the truth of Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection, you're supposed to be full of life because you've trusted in Christ. You're the light of the world. We trust Jesus Christ as Savior. We're called children of light. We have the message, which is the truth of Jesus Christ, and it lives within us. So he says, when the, light, the, the eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, when it's focused, when you know the truth of Christ, your whole body is full of light. You're a child of light. You're, that's, the Ephesians talks about that as well. But then he makes the contrast. But if it is bad, if you've not focused on Christ, if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, your body's full of darkness. That's what he's saying. It's, there's no light in the unbeliever. So then he's, he warns them and says this, watch out that the light in you is not darkness. He says, make sure that what's in you is light and not darkness. How do we have light in us? How do we have this message in us to proclaim? It's because we have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. And so what he's trying to say is this. Listen, this idea of letting the light shine. He says, now you, just as Jesus was the light of the world, then we as believers left on this earth, we've got to be the light as well. And when we believe in Jesus, we have the light within us, the truth about Jesus. We're supposed to share that message. So he says, Watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Don't let it be darkness. Let it be light. And then he says in verse 36, If therefore your whole body is full of light that you've trusted in Christ, no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated. It will be shining as when the lamp lumens you with its rays. Just as the light shines out, you should shine out. Now, it's a powerful statement that every one of us in this room who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior when we go into this world, we're to be the lights. We're the light in this world. 
We get to spread the message of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, people don't know the truth. You may think that the people that you deal with every day understand the grace message of salvation, but many of them do not. There are people that you work with, people you go to school with, people you hang around with, and they talk about church and they talk about God and they talk about things, but many of them do not understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you put your faith in Him, you have eternal life. And it's not goodness or works by the person. It's not going to church. It's not being baptized. It's not something they've done in the past. It is simply faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. Many people do not know that or understand that. We go out these doors. We've gathered for worship and training. We worship our Savior. We get trained and equipped to serve Him. We go into this community. He's saying, you've got to be the light You know, if you've trusted in Christ, you're supposed to be the light. Just like the lamp shines out where everybody can see it, you're supposed to be the one shining out. And so the the question is this. Do you shine the truth of Jesus Christ? As one who has trusted in Jesus Christ, we have that light inside of us. We are children of God. We're children of light. We're the lights on a hill. And we're to let the message of Jesus Christ shine forth. It is an incredible privilege and it is an incredible responsibility. You might say, well, J.B., I, you know, I, I, I mean, I understand I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, but I'm a little bit scared because I'm not sure what to tell them or, or where to go and all of that. If you're not sure, we have a course. We have a study called 412, and we have a number of those throughout the week. There's several at CBI, which is on Wednesday nights from 630 to about 8. If you said, uh, I, I want to be trained and make sure that when I go out these doors, I can share my faith. Well, get involved and in, get into 412. It, it teaches you in there. If you don't have the way, if there's no way you can get into 412, you call me. I will get with you individually. And I will teach you and show you from the Scripture a real basic, easy way to share your faith. So that when we go out these doors, we are the light and we tell people about Jesus Christ. So there's the contrast in there between the believer who is the light and the unbeliever. He says, you know, the one is full of darkness. Our message of Jesus Christ is to shine in this world and we're to let that shine in us. Philippians says... Do all things without grumbling and complaining so you may prove yourself to be innocent and blameless, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights in this world. In the midst of a fallen world, you are the lights. That's what he's talking about. Now, from this, he gets into some really hard things because what he's going to do is he's going to jump all over these religious leaders. Sometimes we go, go get them, really get them, get them, get them. They're so bad. Get them, Jesus. Jump on them. And, and it's true because, you know, you notice that when somebody is caught in sin, when somebody comes to Jesus and says, I've really, really blown it, does Jesus ever say, well, you are the most wicked thing I've ever seen in my life? You know what he does? He just loves them. But when these religious leaders who think they are already right with God and they come with their pride and their hypocrisy, Jesus tells them just like it is. And we'll see it as we go through our study. It's pretty powerful. From this section, we're going to see religion as Jesus denounces the religious leaders. And, you know, they, uh, we're going to get a good look at religion because we can ask ourselves, do you have religion or do you have relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, what happens? After Jesus said all this, a Pharisee comes up to him and invites him to eat with him. Notice, look at verse 37. Now, when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. 
Now, after he'd spoken about the light shining and spreading the message, this Pharisee comes up to him and says, would you come eat with me? Now, my New American Standard has the word lunch, and I think that's an okay word, but the Greek word literally means it was a word that was sometimes used for breakfast, and it was sometimes used for a little bit later, not necessarily the middle of the day meal, but sort of like we might call a brunch. And so he says to him, why don't you come eat with me? Come have a little brunch with me. And it says that Jesus went in and reclined with him. Now, as we look at this, we're going to see two different religious leaders, two different groups. One's the Pharisees. We know that the word Pharisee literally has an idea of to separate. They were people that came back after the captivity and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to live for God. We're going to separate ourselves out from this old fallen world. And sounds good, doesn't it? We're going to do what God wants us to do. That sounds so good. But instead of just living by the Scripture, they started adding law after law and rules and regulations, things that weren't in the Bible, and they had all these rules and regulations on people. The second group are the lawyers, which is same the scribes. That's another name for the scribes. They knew the word, but they had all kind of rules as well. So you've got these religious leaders who didn't just say the most important thing is Scripture, leading by the Bible, living by the Bible. They said Bible's good, but we got all our rules, and you must keep our rules. And so that's what it became. And so the scribes and the Pharisees and all of these people began known, became known as the legalistic rule people. And, and they told people, if you don't keep the rules, you can't be right with God. Not if you don't believe in the Messiah. See, because the bottom line is law and rules never saved anybody. Old Testament, New Testament, nothing. A person is not saved by rules, laws, or regulations. A person is saved by faith in the Messiah. In the Old Testament, they were believing the Messiah was coming. In the New Testament, we look back to Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, who came and died and rose again, and we trust in Him. It's that simple. So watch what happens. When he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him. He said, well, come eat with me. And he came in and he reclined at the table. Now, watch what happens. Verse 38. When the Pharisee saw it... He doesn't tell us what it is. We'll see it in just a minute. He was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. Now, Jewish people, we're not talking about saying, you know, I've been outside, I've been messing around here. Let me, let me, okay, let me, let's eat. That's not what they're talking about. It wasn't that Jesus sat down to eat and they said, Jesus, you should wash your hands before you eat. Didn't your mama teach you anything? I mean, you know, everybody knows that. That's not what they're talking about. There was a way that the, these Pharisees, they would sit and they would wash and they would start. And they had these rules that you washed each finger in a certain way and then came down and then came down and then got elbows and did everything. And you did all of this because you didn't want to be contaminated by the Gentiles and you didn't want to have this fallen world. And so everything had to be done perfectly. And if you didn't do it right, you weren't right with God. Jesus washed his hands and sat down and they looked over and it says, when the Pharisees saw it, saw that Jesus didn't wash his hands the way that a good Jew should wash his hands if he's going to keep all the rules. When the Pharisees saw it, he was surprised that he did not first ceremonially wash before the meal. Now, Jesus is not doing it their right way. That's the tradition. But let me tell you something. Jesus always did it God's way, not man's way. Man's way is religion and God's way is what we call true Christianity. How did Jesus respond? Well, I like to say, get ready, because he's fixing to look over that guy. It's almost like that guy gave him that look, like, you didn't wash your hands correctly. 
And what does Jesus say to him? Verse 39. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you, you are full of robbery and wickedness. So Jesus starts off, and by the way, the way it's written in the Greek, the emphasis is on you. It'd be almost like Jesus saying, But you Pharisees, you guys, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside you're full of robbery and wickedness. He says, you try to do, look, you look good on the outside, but inside you're wicked. See, you look good on the outside, but you're sinful and evil on the inside. Now, that's the same for true for all people. There are a lot of people who try to look good on the outside, but everybody's fallen. We're all sinful and we come short of the glory of God. Wages of sin is death. I mean, we're sinful people. The religious leaders said, no, no, look at us. We're holy people. We're righteous. We know how to wash our hands. We're holy. We know what we're doing. Jesus said, well, you know what you guys do? You clean up real good on the outside. But on the inside, you are full of robbery and wickedness. These religious leaders look good on the outside. That's what they tried to do. And that's the goal of religion. Look good outwardly. Keep the rules. Do the things. But inside, they were sinful. See, religion always deals with the outside. Religion is saying, get baptized, keep the rules, do this, wear the right clothes, do these kind of things, and you'll be okay. But religion can never deal with the inside. Because the inside of every person, including these Pharisees, are sinful. We're fallen people. We've fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not even one that seeks after God. Only Jesus can deal with the inside. Only Jesus can clean us up on the inside. Look what he says, verse 40. You foolish ones... Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? He said, didn't God who made you, 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 you're cleaning up the outside, but didn't he make the inside too? Isn't the inside a problem? God made both the outside and the inside. You can't just look good outwardly. You have to be clean inwardly. And all people are fallen. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we are changed on the inside. Every one of us in this room, we have to be changed from the inside out, not the outside in. Religion tries to deal with the outside. It can never get to the inside. True Christianity, Jesus Christ, deals with the inside and changes us from the inside out. That's the key. That's why Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. He's talking about new from the inside out. And then he goes on to say, but give that which is within as charity and then all things are clean for you. That's kind of a hard verse because some translations, I think, mistranslate that. He literally says, but give that which is within as love or as charity or as a gift. He's saying, take this inside, give that to God. Let him deal with your inside. Because he goes on to say, then all things are clean for you. He's saying, you, can't, you can deal with the outside, but you can't deal with the inside. You're going to have to give that inside. To God, and then you'll be clean. And there are a lot of people. I, I, I told y'all before I trusted Christ when I before I was when I was 19. All those years, I thought you do more good than bad. You do a you do a bad, you do a couple of goods. I was trying to do the outside thing. I knew that I did things wrong. Okay, clean up the outside. Do good. Do a couple of goods. Do three goods. Just make sure you're okay. Because as long as you get the outside looking okay, you're okay. No, it's got to be the inside. It's not the outside. It's the inside. And religion deals with outside 
And Christianity deals with the inside. You go all over the world, and how many world religions are you? You just go on the campus and say, I'd like to see a catalog for a world religion class, a syllabus for that, and you'll just see all of the different world religions, and every one of them have man doing something to get to God, whether it's praying seven times a day or making a trip somewhere or putting something through your face or crawling on your knees or praying a certain thing. All of those things are somebody doing something. I watched a TV show the other night on one of those educational things. I don't watch that much, but I happened to watch one of those. And, and it was a religion deal. And in order to please God, he took this metal bar that was about that big and he stuck it all the way through his face like this. He thought inflicting pain upon himself, God would be pleased at his humility toward God that he harmed himself for God. That's religion. That's not Christianity. See, if God's going to pierce anything, he's going to pierce his son, Jesus Christ, for us. He didn't say, go, go stick a hole through your hand. That'll make you holy. It won't. And so he said, give that which is within as the gift. Give that to God, and then all things will be clean for you. Wow. When we come to God, he deals with the inside and the outside. And how are you clean? Are you clean outside, religious, your works, or inside faith in Jesus Christ? Now, from this, he just kind of turns on them. And, you know, if you watch Jesus, every now and then, he tells the religious leaders exactly like it is. And usually, he just continues to love and show his love to the people. But every now and then, these religious leaders, they're coming after him. And so he tells the truth. And look what he does. There are going to be six woes. Three to the Pharisees and three to the, uh, to the lawyers or the scribes. And look what he does. Here's what he says. And we're going to get a good picture of religion. In fact, there are going to be six different things what religion is. We'll go very quickly. Look what he says. But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay a tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb and yet disregard justice and the love of God. These are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. The first aspect of this whole thing of, of religion is that it's all these little rules. It's all these laws. It says, you, you pay the tithe. See, they, there were three different tithes in the Old Testament. Don't get confused. If you really want to understand about the issue of tithing and that kind of thing, come to membership training today because I talk about that toward the end of membership training. There were three different tithes in the Old Testament. The Jewish people, it was so, under the Mosaic Law, they actually took a tenth of their different fruits, vegetables, gardens, and they were to give those up to the, to the temple, to the priest. He says, you did that. You did all the little bitty things, but what did they reject? They disregarded justice. Justice and the love of God. See, religion always goes to law, not love. Religion says, this is what the law says. True Christianity says, this is the love of God. Religion focuses on law, not love. And so the first aspect of religion, I think the next, is law. That's what it is. It's law. All you have to do is look and say what clothes you can wear, what foods you can eat. Just go throughout the world and look at some of the religions of the world and they say you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Do you realize if you go to the Gospel of Mark, there's a place where Jesus says something and he says, thus, all foods were clean. Somebody tells you, you can't eat certain food. Now, your doctor may say, don't eat certain food because it's not the healthiest for you, but that's not because the Bible says you can't eat it. Jesus made all food clean. So when you have somebody that comes up to you and says, you can't eat this, or our religious group says, you can't eat this, you can't do this, that's law. That's what religion focuses on. 
Look at the next thing. The second one is pride. Watch this. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. He says, woe to you because you love to be seen as something important. That's what religion does. Religion is pride. You know what Christianity is? It's humility. It's just the opposite. See, when, when we talk about us, we say, it's not us. No, no, no. It's Jesus. It's not we're famous. He's famous. In the religion, it was pride. It was they wanted everybody to see them. They had these flowing robes and they wanted to go into the synagogues and they'd say, oh, please sit over here in the best seat. Oh, hi, Rabbi. Hi. I'm important. That's religion. It's pride. Christianity is humility. Look at the third one. And it is hypocrisy. It says, woe to you for you're like concealed tombs. And the people who walk over them are unaware of it. A concealed tomb was, it looked good on the outside, but it's bad on the inside. Hypocrisy, they tried to look good on the outside. That's what they wanted to do. But they were bad on the inside. That's what religion is. It's hypocrisy. See, Jesus is the truth. Religion is hypocrisy. Religion says, I'm good. Christianity says, no, no, you're bad, but Jesus is good, and he's the Savior. He's the one. Law, pride, hypocrisy. Look at the results. One of the lawyers said to him when he heard all this, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. Now, he thought Jesus was just talking about the Pharisees. So this scribe says, you know, Jesus, when you say that sort of thing, it sort of hurts our feelings too. And he says, oh, you ready for yours? Yeah. But he said, woe to you lawyers as well. He said, okay, I'll get to you. Are you ready? Let's talk about this one. Here's the first one there, and this is the fourth one down. Tradition. Religion is tradition. Look what he says. Woe to you lawyers, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. He says, you put these all these rules and all these traditions and all these things on people, and you can't keep them. And you tell them to keep them. And you never even try to keep them. Rules and bondage. That's what religion is. Religion is traditions. But Christianity is the word of God. Not traditions of men. The word of God. I'm going to go quickly through this next one because this next one, number number five, is false zeal. Zeal for the wrong thing. That's what religion is. Do we not see this in our world today? There is a religion in this world that has a false zeal that wants to kill everybody that doesn't believe the way they believe. It's a false zeal and it's a false religion. It's not of peace. It's evil. And you better stand for the truth. He says it's false zeal. Look what they did. Woe to you for you build tombs of the prophets and it was your fathers who killed them. You are witnesses and approve the deeds of your father because it was they who killed them and you build their tombs. He says all throughout history these religious people have killed the prophets of God. And he says and you've done the same thing. And you put up testaments and, and, and all these things for them. He says, you are wrong. You are zealous about the wrong thing. He goes on to say this. For this reason, verse 49, he's going to give the, the prophecy that God had said. For this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them will kill, and some of them will persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. He says, this generation is going to end up being the worst of all. Why? Because as all the other generations killed the prophets coming up, this generation's going to kill the Messiah. That's who they are. They're the religious generation that put to death the Messiah. And then look how he says this here. 
from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. What in the world does that mean? He says from the first person killed in the Old Testament basically to the last person killed in the Old Testament. You go, wait a minute, how does that work? First person killed was who? Abel. The last person killed, if you have a Jewish Bible, a Hebrew Bible, the last book is Second Chronicles. That's how their Bible fits together. And the last person killed there was Zechariah. He was killed. He was a prophet of God. He was a great man. He was killed in between the altar and the temple. And so all he's saying is, from the first to the last, you're accountable this generation. You have false zeal. Wow. He's got one more. And here's what it is. They hid the truth. Religion hides the truth. Notice what he said. Woe to you lawyers, verse 52, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you've hindered those who are entering. See, religion takes away the truth of the grace of God. Anytime you start talking about the grace of God, religion says that's not right. Anytime you say it's faith alone and Christ alone, religion says, no, 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 that's too easy. That's easy believism. That's, that's not accurate. You've got to be willing to do certain things in order to be saved. That's religion. They've hid the truth. And it says they didn't enter in because, see, people who believe in works for salvation don't enter in. And they've hindered those who are trying to enter. There is a contrast between religion and Christianity. Religion is law. Christianity is love. Religion is pride. Christianity is humility. Religion is hypocrisy. Religion is the truth. Religion is tr- uh, uh, Christianity is the truth. Religion is tradition. Christianity is the scripture. Religion is the zeal to kill, while Christianity is the zeal for God and the word. And in religion, they hide the truth. And in Christianity, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That's the difference. You see it all over the world. How did they respond? I know time is up. How did they respond? When he left there, the scribes and Pharisees began to be very hostile Hostile. The word literally means a grudge against. They not only were angry at him, they said, we are going to get him back because he made us look so bad. When he left there, the Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting, notice, plotting against him to catch him into something that he might say. They were hoping to trip him up somehow so they could make him look bad. It's never going to happen because he's God. They can't trip him up. He knows everything. What have we seen? We've seen Jesus is the light. He's the Savior. As believers, we're the light and to share the message. Religious leaders got clean on the outside, but they're dirty on the inside. And Jesus denounces religion. We went through those different things. And their response was to hate him and wanted to trick him. Let me give you applications. Here's the first one. Let our light shine in this fallen world. We're to make known the great truths of Jesus Christ. Tell people the way of salvation. And A, A, The truths about Jesus Christ are to be proclaimed. We're to tell the good news message. You need to know it. You need to know the method and a way of sharing your faith so you can feel comfortable. B, as believers, we are the light in our community. In that campus, the town, the neighborhoods, we're the light. We're to make known the saving message of Jesus Christ. Number two, understand the difference between religion and true Christianity. A, Religion deals with the outside. It always has its works, its rules, its laws, its traditions. It's all of those things. Cannot make you holy. B. 
Christianity deals with the inside. By faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new creation in Christ. You change from the inside out. It's not religion. It's a relationship. Look at the contrast again. Law, love. Pride, humility. Hypocrisy, truth. Tradition, scripture. Zeal to kill, zeal for God in his word. They hide the truth. Jesus is the truth. May we shine as lights in a fallen world, proclaiming the good news message of Jesus Christ, not having religion, but true Christianity, which comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for the truth. Lord, we want our light to shine. And as we scatter out in this community, Lord, would you use us to tell people about Jesus Christ, that we'd be ready, we'd be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. We would share our faith. Use us, Lord. We're the light in this community. Lord, may we understand... The difference between religion and true Christianity. That religion always deals with the outside. Religion's laws and rules and works and pride and hypocrisy and false zeal and all of that. And Lord, Christianity deals with the inside. It is God who loved us, sent His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not our works. It's what Jesus Christ has done. And it's simply by faith. And He changes us from the inside out. Love and humility and truth and the Scripture and zeal for God and the Word. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Lord, for these great truths we ask. Ask this in Jesus' name.